I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. The levee breaches in New Orleans in the wake of Hurricane Katrina were an unprecedented tragedy in American history. But for many education reformers, they were also a moment of opportunity, a chance to start from scratch and create a new model of urban education. Today on the Education Next podcast, we take stock of what we know about the reforms in New Orleans after 10 years. I'm Marty West, Executive Editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Doug Harris, who's a professor of economics at Tulane University and founder and director of the Education Research Alliance for New Orleans. He's also the author of no less than three articles in the fall 2015 issue of Education Next, uh, articles that examine the New Orleans reforms uh, and try to provide the most rigorous analysis to date of their effects on student outcomes. Uh, Doug, thanks for joining us today. Marty, thanks for having me. So, Doug, I wanted to start off with uh, a bit of a personal question, which is, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you made the decision to leave the University of Wisconsin, where you were doing great research, and uh, moved down to Tulane to found this research center devoted to understanding what's happened in the wake of uh, Katrina and what's gone on in New Orleans. Why was this move attractive to you as an education researcher? Well, there's certainly a lot that goes into a move like that, moving your whole family away from uh, from one place. But you know, on, in terms of what was going on uh, you know, at Tulane in, in New Orleans, I think uh, there are a few key reasons. One is Tulane, uh, I think, played an interesting, uh, important role in the city and in the rebuilding effort, and uh, it became a kind of uh, entrepreneurial hub that it, the university itself is really focused now on social entrepreneurship. Education was one part of that, and so it, it really created a lot of interesting opportunities to do new things, things that uh, most universities don't think about in their involvement with the community. Uh, and then more specifically, you know, the, the school reforms had already been put in place, and it was quite clear, I think, that uh, the, the themes of the reform were really themes of the national school reform conversation over the last two decades, and that what happened here was probably going to have a reasonably substantial impact on that debate, and it didn't seem to me that there was a whole lot of evidence uh, brewing, that there, there wasn't a, a large research effort uh, that was kind of in line with the, the potential importance of what was going on here. So it seemed to me important that, uh, that somebody uh, do that, and, and Tulane uh, put, put a, uh, an offer in a situation out there that, that uh, made it possible for us to, to do that. So we're really glad to be down here. And, be able to learn uh, those lessons. And I think also we have a pretty strong sense of feeling about what happened uh, with Katrina and how that's really what instigated the reforms. And I think everything that we're doing here has that in the back of our minds. It was important not just so that we understand the national school reform debate, but that something terrible happened here and the city and the citizens here have a, a right to know whether it worked or not and what can be done to improve the schools going forward. So what is it? What exactly were the New Orleans reforms? How do you describe that to people trying to understand it? And what makes them unprecedented? So uh, a lot of things happened. Some of them happened right after uh, after Katrina, and some of them happened gradually over time. So right after uh, the hurricane, uh, obviously everybody was out of the city. The schools were shut down. 
and uh, one of the first steps was the state moving the vast majority of the schools, especially the lowest performing ones, into the state recovery school district from the Orleans Parish School Board, uh, which was the traditional district here that, uh, that had operated schools just as in most districts around the country, uh, leaving a small number of the, the highest performing schools in the Orleans Parish School Board. Uh, so it was, in some sense, a massive state takeover of the system, uh, like I think anything any district had ever tried. Even that by itself, I think, was just unprecedented. Over time, then, the recovery school district turned the schools into charter schools. So now all the schools under the recovery school district are charter schools. Some of the schools in the Orleans Parish School Board are also charter schools. Uh, so now more than 90% of the schools are, are charter schools, which is by far the highest percentage in the country. Now, that happened over time. It didn't happen immediately. That was another key piece. They eliminated attendance zones so that uh, parents were really forced to choose what schools they went to. Uh, the teachers' union contract was allowed to expire and was not replaced. And, and as the schools shifted to charter schools, that also made it less likely that they would reunionize. Uh, and only two schools now have, have reunionized. So many of the ideas that, as you said, have been part of nationally reform, national reform conversations, but uh, all being implemented simultaneously and in a single place and at a scale that exceeds what had happened anywhere else, I think it's fair That's to right. say. That's right. Yep. And so what have we learned so far? As I said, you know, uh, the lead article in uh, our fall journal is really your attempt to say what we know about uh how these reforms have impacted student achievement uh, and other outcomes. So, you know, how would you describe that evidence? So, when we first came down, the you know the, the first set of questions everybody was was asking was, you know, was this real? Right? That you could see just looking at the trends that the scores had gone up and uh, gone up a lot, and that graduation rates had gone up, and college entry rates had gone up, and ACT rate uh, scores had gone up. Uh, so it looked remarkable and on its face. Uh, but you know, knowing what we do uh, it, from prior research of, of these types of reforms, there, there's certainly reason to, to wonder whether it, maybe it was test-based accountability and the teaching to the test and things like that that were making the, the numbers go up, or maybe it was, uh, in this case, the population change that occurred during Katrina. A lot of people couldn't come back, and so you might wonder whether maybe the population just became more advantaged. So there are a lot of different moving parts here that we had to try to account for and trying to, to really understand whether it was real or not. Uh, and the bottom line seems to, to be that uh, it, it did create remarkable improvements in student achievement. So give us a sense of the size of those improvements. How would you describe them with respect to test scores? Yeah, so the, the range of estimates that we, we have found is about 0.2 to 0.4 standard deviations, which is really large. I mean, usually when we're doing education research, we, we might see something a tenth of that size and be happy uh, that we, could, we found something uh, statistically significant. In this case, you know, much, much larger than we're used to seeing. And so help someone understand, you know, just how big that is. What does that mean in substantive terms? Yeah, so it, it amounts to moving the average student from, say, if they're at the 50th percentile, up 8 to 15 percentile points, you know, up from the 50th to the, the 58th, up to maybe the 65th percentile. And as you say, this is something you're describing a change system-wide, right? This is not uh, sort of a small handful of students that have been right. impacted by a particular intervention, which I think makes it particularly impressive relative to other, uh, say, evidence on other interventions. 
No, that's right. So it was a large number of students, and it was also implemented at scale. Uh, so you know, often we'll do something in the lab or do an experiment, and we'll really carefully implement the program and get an effect like that. But then we go out and try to do it in the field under normal operating conditions, and it just doesn't work. Where here, uh, the whole you know, this is a the whole city was was implementing this plan, you know, not by researchers or experts or anybody like that. It was just uh, the people running the system uh, did this. And to get back to something you mentioned earlier, how do we know it's not teaching to the test? How do we know we should care about these improvements? So I think that's the one where I think we we still have more work to do. It's the hardest one to to figure out in part because unlike other places where we we study test-based accountability that we don't have the NAEP to compare it to as a a lower-stakes test. Mm -hmm. Uh, So New Orleans doesn't participate in the urban NAEP. So we had had to deal with this just by looking at the higher stakes outcomes that we had. So the first thing we did was to look at uh, the difference between the lower stakes and the higher stakes uh, subjects. So in Louisiana, the social studies and science gets less weight in the accountability system. So we thought if there was if there was teaching to the test, that the schools would have focused more on math and reading. Mm-hmm. And that we would expect to see bigger effects on those subjects, but we actually don't see that. In fact, if anything, the, the effects are larger in science and social studies. So that's one piece of evidence, I think the other piece of evidence is that when we look at outcomes that are, are less subject to accountability pressures like college entry, now we don't have the student level data to, to look at that yet, but just looking at the descriptive trends, they're similar to the test score trends. So it looks like uh, college entry also increased. And that's a, that's a measure that teaching to the test is not going to affect uh, in ways that we'd be worried about. And we've seen similar trends Similar trends with high school graduation rates and ACT scores, as I understand it. Is that right? That's right. That's right. The trends are, are positive on, on all of those. So uh, I guess as the article of your title has it, it's, it's good news for New Orleans, uh, but the evidence is also early. There's still things we want to continue to understand. So let's move, uh, I guess, away from the specific findings and talk a little bit about their reception uh, and how the media has framed what we know about the consequences of school reforms in in New Orleans uh, as uh, it's received a lot of coverage around the anniversary of the storm. Um, And this has been a subject of some discussion on social media and uh, elsewhere, uh, whether the evidence that you all have generated has gotten the attention it deserves. Um, I noticed a quote from Malcolm Gladwell writing in The New Yorker uh, just a couple weeks ago said, 10 years in, the results of the experiment have been mixed. Uh, test scores have not risen anywhere near as much as it had been hoped, and dozens of problems have had to be solved on the fly. What's your reaction to statements like that? Well, I think that, that particular one is, is one that probably that I've heard that makes the least sense <laughs> that, uh, of any of them. Uh, that's, I think he just didn't read the evidence. If he, if he, he, wasn't, he wasn't citing us there, and he wasn't, uh, wasn't referring to anything in, in particular. He just I think he hadn't read the evidence. And if there's one thing that almost everybody can agree on is that the test scores went up a lot. Right? Some, might, some people might discount that and say, well, we shouldn't be worried about test scores as much, or maybe it's teaching the test. But that's the one thing we do know that is almost unquestionable, that the test scores went up a great deal. Uh, and, and if uh, you know, he's saying they didn't go up as much as we hoped for, I, I can't imagine what people were hoping for. Well, it does, it, 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 it does seem to be representative of some sort of con- new conventional wisdom on New Orleans that that the evidence has been quite mixed. And maybe it is just a question of expectations, uh, people, uh, you know, of what can be achieved in the short term through uh, school reform efforts. But 
I, I do hear that term mixed a lot. Um, and you know, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, I think there are there's things we don't know. I think mixed is uh, sometimes the right word, but I think you know, most of the news is pretty positive because we didn't just look at test scores. We didn't even just look at student outcomes. We looked at mobility rates. We looked at uh, segregation. We looked at all sorts of other things that you might worry about. We School discipline, right? Groups were student yeah, discipline rates. Whether certain groups were affected more than others, and uh, all almost all of the evidence points in a positive direction in, in ways that uh, are often surprising to people. Uh, I mean, I, I do think there are unanswered questions and things that you know, lead me to, not to say that the evidence is mixed, but to say that there, there are a lot of uh, questions that we still have yet to answer, in particular, you know, whether the imp- increase in uh, college entry is real or not. We haven't been able to examine the, those data uh, the way we have the test score data, because we just haven't had access to them. Uh, but we're hoping to be able to do that in, in coming years. Another uh, question mark, I think, around the graduation rates as well as college entry is this problem of how schools are assigning uh, students uh, as, as dropouts. When a student leaves the school, the, the school gets to decide whether it's counted as a transfer or whether it's mm-hmm. actually a dropout, and that has significant implications for uh, how they're held accountable in the accountability system, how their performance measures. So uh, if, if those numbers are off and there are some signs that, that uh, they, they might be, there might be something wrong with those numbers, and that could that could be a serious issue. So we're still looking at that. I think there are legitimate questions, but I think everything we've been able to to throw at this so far suggests that the news is positive. So let's let's move on to the second part of Gladwell's quote, his claim that dozens of problems have had to be solved on the fly. And that actually strikes me as an important point and something of a segue into uh, another of the articles you wrote for the journal uh, on the OneApp system. Can you Tell us a little bit about the New Orleans One App and what problems it was designed to solve. Sure. So after Katrina and after they had gotten rid of the attendance zones and they, they were basically forcing families to make choices, families were making choices by going school by school. If they wanted to apply to a school, it's almost like going to a college that you'd go visit the school and fill out a paper application and then the school would tell you whether you got in or not. Uh, that was pretty unwieldy, uh, both for the schools and for the parents. Uh, so af- after uh, a few years of this, and starting in 2012, they put in place the One App, which was a single form uh, that people could then rank their preferred schools, and then a computer algorithm actually then uh, assigned students to schools, trying to get students uh, their their higher ranked schools. How's it worked? Well, it's a, it's an interesting question. So I think uh, it's it's actually hard to measure how well something like that is working. Certainly, it's it's made the system uh, uh, more efficient. It's made it easier for parents to to access schools that are far away without actually having to go visit the schools. Uh, and I think you also have to think about the one app in, in conjunction with the transportation system. The schools are required; charter schools are required to provide transportation to the school. So parents really do have uh, a re- reasonable degree of access to schools all over the city. Um, so, and we do see uh, in our research that parents do travel uh, far go to school now. The average, or really the students traveling, the average distance to school has increased by about two miles from pre-Katrina, which, you know, for, for that to be the average, right, you have people traveling all over the city on a mm-hmm. regular basis. It's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, in terms of how happy people are with the system, I think there's a lot of confusion about the One App. Uh, the, the, they're trying to, to uh, game the system a little bit. Parents are they're not really sure how it works. The computer algorithm is really complicated. It took well, it's designed uh, yeah. to be strategy-proof, right? So that no one would 
uh, think that they could game the system, but maybe people don't accept that. Exactly. That's right. So it's designed to be strategy-proof so that you should rank your your preferred schools in the in order of your actual preferences, and you should rank all up to eight options. Uh, take advantage of that opportunity, but there's clear indication from interviews and from even just looking at the patterns of the data that uh, a lot of fam- families are not doing that. And they either don't trust the system or they, there's just not enough information out there to, for them to really understand how it works. So, Doug, the early evidence on New Orleans as a whole seems to be very positive, as you said, uh, that we're seeing system-level improvements on a scale that have been uh, very difficult, if not impossible, to achieve elsewhere. And you said that you headed down to New Orleans in part because you thought that what was going on there had implications for the national debate over education reform. So, you know, that leads me to ask, to what extent do you see what's happened in New Orleans as a model for other cities? Uh, what about it is a model? What lessons can other places draw? Right. No, it's a good question. I think the most important thing here, I think, is that New Orleans, I think, forces us to question what a school district or school system ought to look like or can look like. That it's you know, every day down here, even now, I've been here for three years, I see something almost every day that, that makes me uh, kind of puzzle and think, I've never seen that before. Uh, and so I think, that's a, I think that's a healthy thing for other people to come down here and look and see what it looks like and, and see what a, a totally revamped system that sort of throws out all of the basics of the one best system that has dominated education for a century in the U.S., what it looks like when you, when you throw that out and start over again. Uh, but in terms of whether other cities should adopt it and just say, let's, let's do New Orleans in Detroit or, or other places, I think uh, I would be hesitant to say that on, on two grounds. One is I think the process through which the system was put in place here was problematic. It was, it was not a lot of community involvement here, and I think uh, part of that was because of Katrina and because a lot of people had left, but part of it was just the political process and the state takeover. I think there's a lot of animus uh, in the city about how it was put in place, even though if you ask people the same question, do you like your school, yeah, they seem to be pretty happy with the school and pretty happy with the basic outline of how the system works. Uh, but there are lots of reasons why, why it might work differently in other places. Part of it, even if you could put it in place, even if you could get past the political barriers, uh, I think there's a real question about whether you'd see the same effect because New Orleans has been a very attractive place for educators interested in school reform to come. Uh, there was a big outpouring of national support for uh, for the city after Katrina, which was you know, very heartening and, and great. And people really wanted to help, and uh, and that's a wonderful thing, except if other cities now start to do this, they're just not going to see that same effect. We may have more trouble attracting teachers uh, who are willing to work uh, the really long hours in New Orleans. It's almost, uh, it's, it's not a very practical uh, model for, for somebody who wants to make it a career to be working 80-hour work weeks, which is not uncommon. But it's interesting. I, th- I think the, the attention that you're referencing to sort of uh, what some people talk about, the supply side of systems of school choice, uh, the idea that you might benefit from having organizations like New Schools for New Orleans play a role of trying to uh, help schools get off the ground and help them recruit talent is something you are seeing uh, emerge in other districts, uh, even where the charter sector is at a smaller scale. And so that's... Well, the, the infrastructure is being developed in those places. The question is whether the effect is going to be the same. Right. I'm not sure that the effect will be the same. 
Well, what are you? What are what are you all studying right now? What's uh, next? What will we hear next out of Education Research Alliance for New Orleans? Well, so a lot of it is getting reports out. So if you if you went to our website, you could see the videos from the conference we had in June, which would which is where we presented a lot of the research kind of in its early phases. So we, now we have about 15 reports in the pipeline that we need to, to get out the door. And so we'll be releasing reports on things that you know, people may have already heard a little bit about, uh, but, but these longer studies over the next year. Uh, we're also moving in a new direction and trying to use what we've learned the first year about the strengths and weaknesses of the system to try to identify problems and work with local educators to create solutions to those problems and then go test them out. What's an example of that? Well, we're, we're actually just in the process of figuring out uh, a new organization or really a new kind of advisory board to help guide us locally on how to make those decisions. But I'll, I'll give you one example of uh, at least a topic that uh, is, is likely here, which is college access and college success. So I think there's a pretty widespread agreement about the goal uh, of college as being central to what's going on uh, in New Orleans. Everybody sees that as something that almost any student can and should be able to achieve and that it's the school's responsibility uh, to accomplish uh, with them. But I think there's also widespread agreement that, that even though we're getting more students into college here, that uh, the dropout rate's probably still pretty high, trying to figure out ways to both better prepare students uh, and help them complete college is a challenge and something that I think uh, the schools actually want to play an active role and even after the students leave, that the schools are trying want to find a way to stay engaged with these students try to get them through to college completion. So, so thinking then about what kind of program could be put in place uh, that's kind of workable for the schools that would help the students even after they've left the school to help them complete college. That would be one example of something. But, the, but it, I think the key here is that it's going to be the community, the schools, the charter management organizations, the Orleans Parish School Board, the RSD working together to try to figure out something we could try together that might uh, help address that problem. And that would certainly be a model, uh, both in terms of the process you just described of people working together and in terms of trying to develop solutions to, I think, what's probably the educational problem at the forefront of people's minds nationally, both in the charter sector and uh, in traditional public schools. That's right. And I think we can do something maybe a little bit different down here, things that people hadn't thought of in other places. It kind of goes with the the, the perspective people have down here, but let's try something different. Uh, let's, let's see what we can come up with to solve this problem. Well, Doug, uh, congratulations on the work you've done so far. Thank you for uh, letting us use some of it in Education Next, and thank you for joining us today. Great. Thanks, Marty. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.